When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on Draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. We have taken Draft Twitter, Draft Takes, and we've turned it into a 52-week show on Purple Daily. So excited to talk to my guys Thor and Tyler again this week like we do every Monday to break down the draft class, break down uh, OTAs, rookie observations throughout the season. This is going to be an absolute blast. So if this is the first time you're discovering us, welcome. That is Thor Nystrom. That is Tyler Fornis. I'm Declan Goff here from Purple Daily. Appreciate everyone listening and tuning in or watching however you consume Purple Daily. Uh, Today we're going to look at a a little controversial list by one member on this show by the name of Thor Nystrom. (laughs) Who ranked all of the Vikings or all the oh NFL's boy. draft and UDFA class? So let's uh, let's get right into this because uh, I clicked I clicked the link over the weekend to do some prep and I'm looking and I'm, I'm seeing the top classes. I'm like, okay, Browns number one. All right, yeah, I, I, I guess I can see that. And I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down. I'm like, God, where's the Vikings? Got so bad, Thor. I had to do a control <laughs> F. I was like, all right, where is this? Just take me to the dang ranking. And here comes the Minnesota Vikings. According to Thor Nystrom, number 27 on his draft <laughs> hall and UDFA class. A little bit of the write-up here from Thor, and then uh, I'll let you plead your case a little bit more here. You do mention that they had obviously limited resources with their cap space, and they've kind of boxed themselves into a corner with limited draft picks. And we talked at length uh, last week or two weeks ago on the UDFA class being one of the best in the NFL, but the draft class itself is the grade that kind of weighed it down so Thor, the, uh, the you're kind of under uh, under oath here. You're now at the stand. <laughs> Defend yourself uh, with the Vikings having the 27th ranked draft and UDFA class. Well, no one can call me biased. I, I you know, you got to call, you got to call like you see it. And you know, with with this thing, I I just it's by my math on this thing, and a lot of it is based on ROI. The the way that I rank this, it's a weighted ROI. And just by the the regular ROI, uh, I I rank the Vikings twenty second, which is just by the the math of it. So they're a little bit higher on it. The weighted ROI it 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 bakes in the amount of talent that you came out with. And like you mentioned, 
the Vikings had a lack of of draft equity that they were able to spend. That was 28th, right? So, I mean, that you know, it's an artificial thing that that brings the Vikings down. The talent acquired in the NFL, the Vikings were 30th, right? So, you know, in in part, it's an artificial thing that knocks the Vikings down in that, right? You know, and and so that that's in part why they they come out 27th in that. But yeah, I mean, you know, they were sort of boxed in with that. I didn't love some of the the decisions that they made in day three. Obviously, they didn't have the second round pick. So so that's a part of the reason that they, they you know, were knocked down in that. I did like the UDFA class. They ranked seventh in the NFL in my UDFA rankings. But yeah, in, in part because they, they boxed themselves in with the, the draft equity part because I didn't like what they did in day three. That's why they ended up, uh, you know, ranking where they did in my overall uh, uh, draft hall rankings, which combine, you know, how you, you sort of did with both the NFL draft and uh, the, your UDFA. Okay. You know? Okay. Four yeah. no. Um, I don't believe you did all the NFL teams. I don't know if you ranked them in, in as intensively as Thor, but just gut check. And when you hear twenty seventh ranked draft class, you obviously know the Vikings very well too. Is that too harsh? Would you have them just right if you had to make a new ranking yourself? What do you kind of think of Thor's ranking there? I can't believe Thor's a hater. Wow, right. dude, you, you <laughs> just hate to see it. Um, like, uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't, I don't think it's completely unfair, especially when you consider that it's weighted. And I think that's the most important caveat here. It's not just, hey, who got the best players? And even though the Vikings only had six picks, it's about uh, what is like Thor mentioned the return on investment. If uh, Makai Blackman, 102nd overall pick, 185th on the consensus board, that in theory return on investment stock can be very high. And yes, you did get Dwayne McBride in around seven with a, a net positive, I think, 93 on the consensus board compared to where he was selected. But at the end of the day, it's about what did you do with your assets in terms of value and what are you going to get on that return? And I think that the aggregate ranking of 27th isn't necessarily unfair. It also, at the same time, doesn't mean anything for about three years. It's kind of a weird, weird dichotomy, right? Because you're going in with all this data coming out of the college ranks. Right now, based on all the information we know, 27th, okay, seems relatively fair. But in three years, this this draft hall could be a top five draft hall. Like, we just genuinely don't know because once they get on the field, they're put in those situations, they're put in these systems, which fit means just as much if not more than talent alone, especially with a guy like Jaron Hall. And we've talked about that. He may have the best chance to succeed here because of the offense and infrastructure. Whereas if you went somewhere else, I mean, Brock Purdy was successful because of Kyle Shanahan and how great that infrastructure in San Francisco is. So when you kind of piece everything together, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about being 27th. I will be concerned if they have the 27th ranked draft hall when we're talking about this class in 2026. Absolutely. Okay, so you guys brought up the point of not being able to judge a draft class just yet. So last year's class for the Vikings uh, didn't see much of any impact just in terms of uh, of players on the field, snap counts, etc. There was injuries, obviously, to the top two guys uh, in Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth. Uh, but three years, you guys said three years. Is that the appropriate window of when you can kind of start really analyzing the draft class before you really start to make, you know, snap judgments at least a month afterwards, Thor? It is. Yeah. I mean, like last year's class, they, they weren't drafting those guys for the coming season, right? Like a couple of those, those guys, they were drafting them explicitly to marinate those guys for the, you know, in, in, in their rookie season, 
to try to develop them for the season after or even the couple seasons after. Like Booth and, and Evans, they weren't drafting those guys for immediate help. They were trying to develop those guys for the season after. They got those guys on on discount prices for the developmental opportunity. Booth explicitly so, right? Some mm-hmm. teams were skittish on him uh, despite the athletic profile he had because he had some instinctual problems that the Vikings were going to have to work on. And then you got sort of the upside shot on him, right? And we'll have to see if if that ends up coalescing. But, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see that this season. But, yeah, I mean, that's you have to wait on, on those classes for a couple of seasons and then see what you get. Okay. Yeah, it's just, I know we always love the great things, and I totally get that. You know, it's uh, it's easy to make judgments early on. That they, oh, they got a haul here and whatnot. And yes, Thor, I think you're you're kind of composite ranking and just the fact of, yeah, they had limited resources, they had limited allocations that just made things very difficult for them going into the draft. We'll certainly see how they get um, how they get this week. And with OTAs now here, you know, Brian Flores gets to basically play with two draft classes, right? In the 2022 class and the 2023 class. And, you know, Flores does a bunch of exotic different things. We talked about it uh, at length on the main Purple Daily episode on Monday with Mackie and Judd that... He just gets very creative with his looks, and it's going to be fun to see kind of how uh, everything really shapes up there with that draft class. Forno, I want to get to uh, Mackay Blackman here because you wrote a piece for your, uh, for your set at VikingsWire.com on how Mackay Blackman can really impact uh, the Vikings defense almost potentially right away. Now, some called this pick a reach, and Thor, I'm going to get back to you there in just a bit. But, Tyler, kind of walk us through why Mackay Blackman can make potentially a big impact for the Vikings right away. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the term in Declan. You may have heard it because you're a wrestling fan. He's got dumb jock energy. <laughs> and like it, it kind of comes from the term, and it all relates to like high school. But like dumb jock wrestlers are just guys who just, they're arrogant, they don't care, and they're going to punch you in the mouth. Um, the best example of that is Davey Richards. And if you kind of watch Davey Richards dump, like just be a dumb jock wrestler and just no-sell guys and just look like a badass, that's kind of what you're talking about here. And Blackman has exuded that in uh, like on the field like yeah you have those jocks in high school that just walk around they got their letterman jacket like when we were in high school they got the doc martens abercrombie and fitch polo (laughs) like they're just walking walking down the hallway with with a stick up their butt and they just they got all the confidence in the world let's blackman kind of plays like that and he's gonna punch you in the mouth and then he's he's gonna always chirp and get that last shot in and i think that kind of energy is something that brian flores is likely targeted and really wanted to bring onto this football team. And there's a couple plays against UCLA that really stood out and I included in my piece, which you can check out as Declan said at vikingswire.com. One play where he's just on the outside, just, I think it's Jake Bobo and he's just in his face and he's just punching him and punching him. Then he gets one last shove after the whistle and the ball didn't even come his way. Like that's, that's the kind of chirpiness you're getting from him consistently. And then another one, I mean, Blackman's 175 pounds. He's not big at all. He's he's just a small boy, just like Addison. And there's one play where uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson like does like an RPO read to Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet cuts to the outside, and then Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's like two ten, like blocks him, and Blackman just kind of like like takes it like like he's flubber, and <laughs> DTR just gets him right in the gut, and he just kind of pushes him away, and then goes and pushes Charbonnet to the outside. Like those kinds of things. You can't really teach. You can't teach like that kind of intuition, that kind of like attitude. You can g- coach up some of the footwork where he has some issues. You can coach up, hey, like 
attack the football first. Understand when the ball's going to come and then go attack it. And he has some of that, but there are times where he kind of loses the ball in the air. You can coach some of those little things. You can't coach attitude. You can't coach tenacity. And I think Blackman is going to really win over this defensive staff, and that's really going to help him right away. Will he be a great player? I have no freaking clue. I don't even know if he'll be a long-term starter. But those little attitude things, that dumb jock energy (laughs) is going to help him right away potentially get on the football field. I love that term, dumb jock energy. Did did someone in wrestling coin that one for now? You got to remind me a little bit. Um, I'm not sure who coined it, but I know um, I I also write for Voice of Wrestling, uh, the flagship podcast, Joe Lanza and Rich Krejci. They use the term all the time, and it's love that. It's tremendous. Uh, dumb, if you're a dumb jock wrestler, it's it's just fun. You're just a you're just a damn meathead. I love that. Uh, uh, Thor, obviously, the Vikings potentially may have reached for Blackman. I saw a lot of talk about that. How he was ranked, you know, 185th on the big board, but the Vikings take him 102nd overall. Why is it that every time someone sees like that big of a discrepancy, it just reach, and then also reach would just mean bad pick? Is is there actually a time where a reach actually makes sense for a Viking or for a team because they see a certain fit and they you know they've interviewed this guy, they really want this guy, they know they won't be able maybe to get him on the next time they're on the clock. When is it? When does reaching for a player actually make some sort of sense for a team? So I, so I want to push back against the, the reach narrative with Blackman on a, on a couple different uh, levels. Number one, I, I think qualitatively, to me, it, it wasn't a reach. Uh, I had him 113 on my board. They took him 102. So to me, qualitatively, it, it wasn't a reach. And then with the Vikings, uh, with, with their schema, it, it was a perfect fit as well. So they they had to take them there, uh, you know, because I, I think there, there was going to be another team that was going to be interested real quick, like early round four. And so I like I think they had to, you know, if they wanted them there, they were going to have to take them. And again, for, for them, he was the perfect fit. Um, so like, you know, again, like that, that's where you had to do it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I realized on, on the, the consensus board, that's where he was. But I, I think that was mostly a contextual thing. You have to understand the year before in 2021, the kid was at Colorado, which was a joke of a program. And the, the only other better, like the only other good kid on, on that team was the other corner. He was playing across from Christian Gonzalez. So there's only two good players on the entire team. And the other one was a first round pick, right? Like, and then obviously uh, Gonzalez ends up transferring to Oregon. Um, And then last year, uh, 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 Blackman goes to USC, which had a joke of a defense. And then Blackman, he sort of gets overshot. He has this awesome season, but the rest of the defense was just awful. And so people just sort of missed it. Like, you know, contextually, uh, Blackman had a, a pretty good last two seasons, but people just miss it. And last last season, he has this this dominant season. But again, people just just missed it because of the, you know, the, the, the context going around him. But he gives up a 46.1 quarterback rating against. He only gave up 151 uh, yards in, in coverage, 47.6 completion percentage against. He only missed 2.8 percent of his uh, tackle attempts. He just had this fabulous season, but because USC was giving up this metric ton of yards overall and and was giving up all these different points, he just sort of got lumped in with all this Trojan defense things, even though on his side of the field, the, uh, the, the opposing offenses weren't getting anything done. 
So, I, like, I think that's just why people just sort of missed it with him. But if you turn on the tape and you were watching his cut up, you started to get it. And and again, I just think people missed it. And I think that's why his consensus rating was so low. But if you actually watched his tape, though he had big time fans in the scouting community. If you look at like, yes, his overall aggregate rating was low, but if you look at the, um, like in the consensus ranking board, they have the, um, what do you call it? The variance thing that, you know, the discrepancy between his highest and the lowest thing, some guys for that, it's very low, but some guys for it, it's very big. Right. And so like, you know, I was saying that, that mine was way off from that, but I wasn't the only one. Right. Like there were some other guys that was, were way off from it. Um, Blackman was one of those guys that had the big discrepancy. I think that the people that watched Blackman, they were way off from what the, that thing was, whatever. And that's the reason the people that watched Blackman were way off mm-hmm. from what that, that consensus was. And that's the reason why. Got it. And something else that you kind of got to talk about with this cornerback class is it, it was insane. This might've been the deepest cornerback class we've ever seen in the NFL draft. And because of that, you're all you're gonna have a wide variance once you get outside like the top three, four, five guys. Like you saw Cam Smith, who was consistently across like top fives uh, for most analysts, go at fifty one to the Dolphins. Like at a certain point, talent is a lot less of an appeal, whereas you're looking at skill set and scheme fit. Now a guy like Blackman isn't gonna go to a team that plays a lot of cover three. They're not probably not gonna go to a Fangio style defense. You want Blackman because you play a lot of press man. And because of that, some other cornerbacks that may have been valued higher on the consensus board weren't even a thought for the Minnesota Vikings and vice versa because of what Blackman's skill set was. Your take, the reason why there's so there's so many reaches on day three is because you're looking at specifics. You're looking at what does this guy bring to my football team? And a lot more often you're doing that than drafting pure talent. And I think that's something that most people don't necessarily talk about enough because Blackman was a fit with talent rather than just being a talented player, just a scheme fit. Like this is a guy that the Vikings targeted. And as Thor said, that wide variance kind of speaks to it, especially with this corner class, which Blackman consensus board cornerback 21. Wouldn't shock me if you see him creeping into some analysts top tens. Like it's, it's really a pick your poison with this class. Love that. So OTAs start this week for the Vikings, too. Uh, as we kind of mentioned, Flores gets his hands not on this rookie class that's incoming that he certainly had a say in to a degree, but he also now inherits last year's draft class that certainly missed a lot of time. Um, is there one player, Thor, I'll start with you, I guess, uh, that you're excited to see either side of the coaching staff get it, get their hands on here? Not OTAs start and you get you kind of your first real big look at with, with these voluntary workouts but is there one player you're excited to see from a rookie or maybe last year's draft class that either Flores or Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, et cetera, can finally now really sink their teeth into? Um, for Well, Dwayne McBride. Um, I, I want to see Dwayne McBride out there. Um, you know, the, the thing I want to, you, you want to button up with him, it's the ball security um, for sure. But like, I just love the way that that kid runs and, you know, obviously we're assuming that, that Delvin Cook is not going to be on the team next year. And I have a supposition that Dwayne McBride is going to see the field early as a rookie. So I, I love the, the way that that kid runs. And, and, and I, yeah, I think that the Vikings coaching staff is going to have some fun with him. Love that. What about you, Tyler? Honestly, I want to see, like, 
we'll talk about Addison. We'll talk about Hall a lot throughout this offseason. I want to see Jay Ward, and I want to see how the Vikings utilize him. Like they, they drafted him technically as a safety, but we also know that that term itself is like is kind of lost in ambiguity. Like they drafted KJ Osborne as a kick returner. They didn't draft him as a receiver, and now he's going to be likely the starting wide receiver opposite Justin Jefferson this year. I want to see how they use Ward. I want to see what kind of skill set they want to pull out of him and utilize, how they're going to utilize their safeties. We're not going to see a ton from that until we really get into the meat of the regular season. But the the kind of initial usage of him, I'm very intrigued to see what they do. Are they going to test him out at a bunch of different spots? Are they going to pigeonhole him? I want to see what that looks like right away. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. We'll put you guys on the spot a little bit here. So obviously Byron Murphy Jr. is going to be uh, the starting cornerback for the Vikings this year, but who gets more snaps, you think, in 2023 for the Vikings? And I understand that we have OTAs, training camp still has to play out a little bit. Injuries also unfortunately happen. But who has more snaps this season for the Vikings? Andrew Booth Jr. or Makai Blackman? Thor, I'll go to you. Blackman. 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 Wow, okay. It's it's the injuries and scheme fit like this. I think Love this. truly think this is Brian Flores' guy. And while Booth is a better fit in this system than he was uh, in the Fangio scheme, like I like watching him at Clemson, I thought Booth was just a great man to man corner. And how he translates to this is really great. But this is a hand picked guy by Brian Flores. He's also twenty four. Like he's going to be ready to play. I I, I really think it'll be Blackman. Okay. What about you, Thor? Yeah, uh, I, I would echo what Forno said. Um, he's handpicked. I, I think he's a really good fit for the scheme. And last year, he had just a dominant season. I, I think he's going to continue that uh, momentum in, into this season. I think Blackman's going to be this team's cornerback one as a rookie. Damn. Okay. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Obviously, some of these guys uh, end up emerging and, and being legitimate players for them uh, going forward. I'm going to give you another one here, another two guys that you tell me who has more snaps. Jay Ward or Caleb Evans? I'm going to say Evans. Evans, okay. Borno? I'm going to say I'm going to say Ward because until Evans like goes through like a significant amount of time without sustaining a concussion, I I'm going to be very very weary of that cuz like there's like talk of hey, maybe it was only actually two concussions, but to what we know, it was three. Like that's that's scary stuff. And concussions, the second you get your first one, just to ask Steve Young and Troy Aikman, they come fast and quick, and it's a lot easier to sustain them. Um, I, I I don't know how much Jay Ward's going to play on defense, but I think he'll get some significant snaps as the season rolls on. I don't know if I can trust Caleb Evans to be healthy, and that's scary to me. Yeah, just for context, so last year, Caleb Evans had 162 defensive snaps, so that was 23% of the snaps, and then 91 snaps uh, on special teams as well. So, yeah, he was an ace, I guess, on special teams, you could say, and then had to 
kind of start for them towards the end when injuries are piling up and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, with all those cornerbacks they have coming in, you know, Blackman, Booth, Evans, Ward, um, obviously Byron Murphy being now they're kind of ace in the hole, uh, whether he likes to, wants to be it or not. Uh, you're kind of hoping, right, that at least two of these four guys that they have drafted kind of step up and become legitimate NFL starters, right? Like it, we always talk about prospect ceilings. You know, his ceiling is this, and if he hits his 100th percentile, he can do that. When in reality, right, just like baseball and hockey prospects too, just because you don't hit your 100th percentile does not mean you're not a serviceable major league player, Not you're not a serviceable NFL player, right? I think it's kind of just them pulling all these cornerbacks together and then seeing which one emerges, right? I mean, it's a numbers game, and it's a little risky because they're all rookies or second-year players that haven't played a ton, but I think that's kind of their philosophy, right, of how they kind of want to run this defense from that position group. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Dwayne McBride, let's let's go back to the offensive side there because that's Thor's dude. And Dalvin yeah. Cook, I mean, we're just we're waiting here. Um, it, it looks like the end is very much near. Uh, whether that's the post-June 1st, whether it's these random 7th or 6th round picks and kind of turns into a Zadarius Smith situation or maybe get a couple day 3 picks, I don't know. I think it's most likely just going to be a cut. But Dwayne McBride, so Thor, correct me if I'm wrong here, this was just a legitimate straight-line runner, did not see a lot of of, um, pass-catching snaps, was not a good pass-catching back. He was just a true bell cow running back. But you actually think that this guy can potentially be an immediate contributor for the Vikings right away. Why is that? Because of the early down stuff, he's he's the meat and potatoes guy. He can handle that heavy usage on the early downs. Like, I don't think you're going to get the the pass down utility from him, but I think there's a real shot that he is the best early down guy on the roster right now. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Madison and, and Ty Chandler are going to have to bring their lunch pails to beat him out for the early down stuff. Like th- th- those guys are definitely better pass catchers than McBride, but yeah, I, I think McBride could force his way onto the field with the early down stuff. I like that. Forno, uh, do you think McBride ends up making this roster, and can he also be potentially a, a contributor for the Vikings right away in 2023? I think he's going to make the roster. Um, I So I, I wrote this up for Vikings Wire a couple hours ago. There is a potential new rule change that I think will help usher out Kene Wongwu. And that rule change is going to be implementing the college football rule on kickoffs, where if you fair catch it inside the 25, it counts as a touchback. And that's going to make him even more or less valuable because they're trying to continue to take concussions out of the game and concussions have still been high in kickoff returns. I think they should go to what the XFL does, but they're not going to do that. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, and that McBride, I think, is undervalued because of some of those third down things. I was watching some tape of him last week. Dude can pass block. And even though he doesn't necessarily catch the football, being able to pass block is arguably more important than being a pass catcher on third downs because you have to be able to take on blitzing linebackers. You have to, hey, maybe you're going to have to chip a stunting defensive end. Like, he can do those kind of things, and he kind of looks for work. So I think that utility may get him on the field even on third downs sometimes. But I like what McBride brings to the table. but. At the end of the day, don't rule out Ty Chandler. The staff continues to talk about him. They love him, and he has that utility on third down as well, even more so than arguably both McBride and, and Madison. So some rule changes yeah, are coming down. Actually, those league meetings are taking place right here uh, in Minnesota, and some of them that mm-hmm. have been announced so far, uh, Tom Pelissero, uh, uh tweeting out that NFL owners have approved a bylaw proposal allowing teams to dress a third quarterback 
without using an active roster spot. Uh, a no-brainer to bring back uh, in the aftermath of the San Francisco playoff game last year, obviously, when the, when the Niners were uh, very thin at that position. But let's spin this, obviously, to the Vikings. So what does this mean for Jaron Hall? So obviously, if, if Nick Mullins, and look, I think it's going to be an awful uh, awful big climb if, if Jaron Hall can take Nick Mullins' roster spot. And if that's the case, well, then we actually have a potential succession plan, the Vikings do, at quarterback. But now you can have, you know, you can dress this third quarterback uh, without using an active roster spot. What does this mean for Jaron Hall? Uh, Thor, I'll go to you for now. I guess that he gets to be, I guess he gets to be on the active. Uh, he gets to have a better seat. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that it means anything beyond that. Maybe, maybe that means that he's the, uh, the Kendall Roy of the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on the, on the 2023 roster. But yeah, uh, I, I don't think it means anything beyond that. Doesn't, doesn't change my opinion of his future utility on the Vikings at all. It's uh, it's kind of funny. He feels more like a Connor at this point, doesn't he? You know, it kind of feels like the he, afterthought. He is he is the Connor Roy <laughs> in my mind, the the future of the Vikings. Yeah, uh, I could do a whole succession podcast if I really wanted to, but I'll um I'll I'll, I'll let the listeners stick it with football here. Uh, uh, yeah. Forno, is this a good thing for Jaron Hall now that you don't have, now that you can dress this third quarterback without using the active roster spot? I think it's good for football teams because one thing that I've been kind of studying and I'm writing a piece on right now is that the third quarterback is coming back and you're starting to see an uptick in quarterback injuries again. And when we were growing up in the nineties, quarterbacks were injured all the time. Like it was commonplace. You needed to have a good backup quarterback, but quarterback elite quarterbacks weren't valued nearly as much as they are now, where if you went from Warren moon to Cody Carlson or the Vikings, Brad Johnson or Randall Cunningham in 98, you weren't losing a ton and you could still run an effective offense. Well, nowadays it's quite a bit different, but you still need to be able to have that quarterback. And if this third quarterback role, which was in place a long time ago, you used to have an emergency quarterback um, like upwards, I think until like the CBA was re-ratified in 2011 after the lockout. And I think that's when they got rid of the emergency quarterback. Like you used to have that guy and 99 that came into play when Vinny Testaverde uh, tore his Achilles in week one for the New York Jets. Tom Tupa, the punter, who was a quarterback at Ohio State, had to come in so they avoided using that emergency guy because if you used him before the fourth quarter, you couldn't go back to any of your other quarterbacks. Like That was how the rule was written. I don't know if it's going to be the exact same here. I haven't seen enough details, but it's an objectively good thing. As far as Hall, it probably means nothing for him because he likely doesn't see any playing time unless week 18 is a completely meaningless football game. Honestly, now I'm thinking about third quarterbacks. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about my favorite like, all-time Vikings third quarterback, and I tweeted the picture out yesterday. John David Booty. The only casualty from Brett Favre <laughs> coming to the Vikings is we lost John David Booty potentially being uh, an NFL player. Um, I always I, I had a, a soft spot for him growing up. But uh, yeah, this third quarterback thing's interesting. To Forno's point, I mean, I mean hell. That even that around that era of Vikings football, the Vikings had Gus Farratt behind T Jack. Like you kind of needed sometimes that security mm-hmm. feeling of two quarterbacks. That's also why they traded for Nick Mullins uh, last year because it was worth it. If Kirk has to go down, you don't have Sean Mannion who can barely stand or Kellen Mond who can't even throw the football. Um, you need a legitimate backup option. Uh, and San Francisco obviously um, uh, did that too last year. So very very interesting stuff, uh, boys. I saw speaking of propaganda and old Vikings quarterbacks. Last year, PFF or last weekend, PFF uh, stirred up some controversy, and they and they put Dante Culpepper 
into this conversation of um, of, of legitimate Viking, of, of NFL teams and historical teams and whatnot. Now, I am a Dante Culpepper stan. I love Dante. I mean, that was the quarterback that when I first became a Vikings fan in 2000, who had a hell of a year that year, uh, was a quarterback for the Vikings. And what I will say, because I know this really upsets the Kirk Cousins Crusaders and a lot of generation of sports fans who are obsessed with Fox scores, but peak Dante Culpepper is better than peak Kirk Cousins. Is that? A, do you guys think that's a fair comparison? That's Slam fair. dunk. Right? That's fair. Like, yeah. Kirk's Kirk's floor, like Kirk is safe, you know, like like Dante had a had a ton of turnovers and the and the tiny little Burger King hands. I get that, uh, but th- he that dude wins an MVP award in, in what oh four if Peyton Manning doesn't break the touchdown record. Like that dude was going to win the NFL MVP award. Kirk hasn't even come sniff to sniff even being on the MVP ballot for God's sake. So I, I find it interesting that we're always comparing those you know previous era quarterbacks, and I just think that previous generation never really got to appreciate the true uh, eliteness that was Dante Culpepper. Yeah. If Dante Culpepper had never shredded his knee up, like the career he would have had would have been insane. I mean, and, and you know, it's crazy to go back and think, but Nick Saban left college and he wanted Dante Culpepper. And if, if, if that whole thing hadn't gone down, he he picked uh, Culpepper over, uh, Drew Brees, right? Yeah. What, yeah. Wasn't that the way that that thing went mm-hmm. down? Mm-hmm. And if if uh, if that, you know, if, if Culpepper, you know, obviously that turned out to be a mistake and they didn't realize how bad Culpepper's knee was. But uh, Nick Saban, he might still be in the NFL right now if yeah. he wouldn't have been like, you, you just think about like the sliding doors w- with that whole thing. But if, if, if that hadn't happened, you know, you, you think and maybe then the Vikings wouldn't have traded him if he never would have ripped up his knee. But But how Dante Culpepper's career would have gone you know, um, and you think about all the Vikings quarterback injuries and if Teddy Bridgewater hadn't ripped up his knee and, and how awful it is to be a Vikings fan in general. But it, but anyway, it, it sucks that Dante Culpepper had that knee injury because he was a very special player. And yeah, at the peak mm-hmm. of his powers, he was a truly special player um, and, and certainly better at the peak of his powers than, than Cousins is, which isn't a, a shot at Cousins. But to me, that that's an irrefutable fact. So. Hornell, how about you? You're a big Dante stan, just like uh, us two here. What, what what did you make of that when that came out over the weekend? I smiled ear to ear because people are, are hopefully going to learn how good Dante was. Dante Culpepper was a much more ac- accurate version of Josh Allen. And he, he had the cannon. His his hands, by the way, are bigger than Bryce Young's. They're over an inch bigger than Kenny Pickett's. They're nine and a half inches. Nowadays, nobody even like thinks twice, but back then... You thought, oh, 10-inch hands, you need 10-inch hands. And that was the kind of from some of those Bill Parcells thoughts on quarterbacks, you know, three-year starter, team captain, yada, yada, bing, bang. But when you look at Culpepper, what he was asked to do, what he was doing, and the era in which he was doing it in were all so incredibly different from what we see today. And, yeah, Culpepper had, what, 30 more interceptions. In an era where the best quarterbacks all threw double-digit interceptions every year, guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, they're all throwing double-digit picks because different era, different rule set for the defensive backs. It all makes a big difference. Like, it, you can touch those guys after five yards in 2004. You can't, you can't even lay a fingertip on them nowadays. And otherwise, you're going to get illegal contact. All that makes a difference. And Culpepper in that 2004 season set NFL records for not only completion percentage, which has been broken, I think, five or six times since then. But again, 
eras change. Yeah. Those numbers evolve. But he also set a record for most total yards by a quarterback in a single season, surpassing Dan Marino's 5,077 because he had 5,084 passing yards in 84, negative seven rushing yards. Culpepper had over 5,100 yards in that 2004 season. If he was playing today, Culpepper would be a top five quarterback in the National Football League. I don't think he would be very close. I, I think he's the what you saw from Culpepper better than Justin Herbert, arguably better than Lamar Jackson. We'll see. We'll see if he, he remains healthy. Culpepper was special. And if you don't see that, that's on you. Kirk Cousins is very good. He is not great. He never has been great. He never will be great. Culpepper was great and was surrounded with a bunch of awful circumstances. His his tackle died in training camp in Corey Stringer, had some of the cheapest ownership. Like They had coordinators who were position coaches. They weren't given upgrades to the facilities. They didn't have great like medicals. Like There was just so much going on. That Cole, and Culpepper had to literally carry lifeless defenses to the playoffs. Last thing. He was special. Last thing on this Culpepper comparison, because Thor uh, brought it up briefly there. Biggest what if, and in terms of biggest what if with a shredded knee, biggest what if with Teddy's injury, or biggest what if with Culpepper's knee injury? Culpepper. Teddy. Yeah, this one's split for and, me. And uh, I see where Thor's going with it as far as an overall career. Culpepper, because he was so special. But that 2016 season, I really think a healthy Teddy Bridgewater has a real chance to lead that team to a Super Bowl. Mm. Or same thing in terms of um, in terms of that Teddy comparison of if if he was healthy, that probably was a potential Super Bowl team. Oh well, yeah, but I mean, just uh, the 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 career wise thing with with Culpepper, I just think it's way more sad. And the other thing I, I want to say is. In my entire sports life, there was there was nothing more exciting than the moment where Culpepper wound up and was about to throw deep to Moss. There, there's nothing that I'll ever see that was more exciting than that one second. It was must see TV every single time. Yeah, it was true. Hey, hey, hey! Don't don't insult Kelly Campbell here. Some of those deep balls to Campbell rock too. <laughs> you, you got it. Yeah, there were a, there was a good amount there, uh, obviously as well, uh, boys. Great stuff here on Purple Daily on draft. OTAs are getting on uh, this weekend, uh, this week, I should say. So we'll have some observations, too, uh, by next week, as well uh, as any other Vikings rookie-related comments. Hell, also, in the YouTube comment section, drop some feedback. You can't just always make fun of us. If you want us to talk about some things, too, uh, drop them in the comment section. We'll gladly get to it. And in fact, that'll be kind of a staple of our, our stuff going forward, especially in maybe some slower months and slower weeks as we enter some of that off-season stuff. We'll, we'll sprinkle in some feedback towards the back end of, of some episodes, too. So if you want us to answer some any questions on the draft or previous drafts and whatnot, we will gladly do that right here on Purple Daily on Draft with Thor Nystrom and Tyler Fornis. Uh, Mackie Judd, myself, back tomorrow on Tuesday on Purple Daily. Hit that subscribe button for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.